drink and dance all night. Now let's talk of diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. Bottle service with BKP. Bottle service with BKP. All right, guys, I am so excited. We have a special episode for you today. I have in the building Carrie Locker. For those of you who don't know, she is a registered nurse, a certified lactation counselor, and mom of four. Her popular Instagram account at Carrie Locker is full of tips and tricks for breastfeeding and postpartum moms. She also offers a course on conquering breastfeeding, and she has been featured on Good Morning America, The Washington Post, and more. Carrie, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I'm just so, it's so funny. Back when I was pregnant and for anyone listening to this, like last season when I was just going through pregnancy on here on bottle mm-hmm. service, so many people were like sliding into my DMS and telling me like, you need to, before you give birth, you need to give <laughs> this girl a follow, follow Carrie. And I found your page. I started following you and it was so helpful. I mean, you have so oh. many great tips and and stuff in there. So I'd love to hear a little bit of a background on you and how you got started doing this. Yes. Thank you so much. First of all. Um, so I have four kids of my own and when I was postpartum with my third child, I was still working in the hospital and all of that good stuff. And, um, 2020 happened, the pandemic happened, and I realized that a lot of hospital classes on moms and babies were being canceled, um, and people still needed the information. So I decided to kind of turn my personal page Instagram into more of a postpartum education-focused Instagram and help moms and parents and babies um, the best that I could with breastfeeding, bottle feeding, postpartum care, um, baby stuff, you name it, little tips and tricks sprinkled into and I've been absolutely loving it. It is so much fun and it just like fulfills me. I love it so much. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so helpful for us moms out there. Cause I kind of feel like you get a little bit of, of information in the hospital and then you're sent home oh. and it's like, wait, what? Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's that. And that was like the whole premise of me starting this is because I, I mean, I've helped with teaching um, classes at the hospital and sat in on many, many classes. And of course they go over important things that happen in the hospital. But then it's like, okay, you get home and I feel like a switch flips and your baby is all of a sudden fussy and you're like, well, wait, they were just sleeping for two days in the hospital. Like, what is going on? What do I do? How do I give them a bath? Like, how do I do these things now that I'm actually at my home and not at the hospital anymore? And I was like, people need that too. And they need like the, the information about like, how do you go out with your baby? Like, what do you do? What do you put them in? You know, how, how do you make it easy for yourself to run errands, the stuff like that. So I just felt like it wasn't out there in the universe yet. So I was like, I'm going to put it out there and see if people, you know, respond to that. Yes. And clearly, I mean, you've had an awesome response and, and have such a great following and I love following you personally. So Thank you. I hope at the end of this podcast, if you don't know, Carrie, you go out and follow her. <laughs> it is worth, it is worth it for sure. Um, yeah, that's- yeah. So I know like you've obviously you worked in the hospital and you have a lot of this experience. So when you had your own babies, like how was yeah. your own breastfeeding experience? Cause like, I, I mean, I've already told this audience, like I was a disaster, like this did not go smoothly for me, but like you had a lot of this training, like did it, was it a little bit easier for you or like, Oh gosh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, so, and that was the surprising thing for me because 
when I had my first baby, I was working night shifts still. So I was doing 12 hour shifts at nighttime. We didn't have lactation consultants on staff for our patients at nighttime. So I was their lactation consultant. I helped them with everything. Um, I helped so many moms breastfeed. So when I got pregnant with my first baby, I was like, oh, I've got this in the bag. Like I, this is going to be no problem. I didn't do anything really to prepare. Um, and then it <laughs> was a whole different world when it was my own baby. And I was like, wait, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to know all of this. I help other people know what they're doing. How do I not know what to do? And that's just because Oh my gosh, like the experience when you're going through it yourself is completely different than when you're helping someone else. Um, and I had issues. I, I seriously feel like any breastfeeding issue you can think of, I've, I've dealt with it in some regard. After four kids, I feel like I've been through one thing or another. Um, and with Cam, he like wouldn't latch on one side. And it was really difficult because I would get frustrated because I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're latching on this side, but not the other side. And we started getting um, going with like a nipple shield. And then I thought to myself that, okay, well, he's emptying one side, but not the other. I need to throw a pump on. So I would throw a pump on both sides and pump gave myself a huge oversupply, which is like, a, it was so painful. I had engorgement, clogged ducts. I mean, it was, it was, it was an awful experience <laughs> my first time. So just knowing, um, what I know now, I wish I could go back and help myself, of course, but it was, it was a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that'll probably make some people feel better because like, oh, yeah. if you don't know, <laughs> if, like you're struggling right. with it and like you have right. so much information and like th that was, I think one of the biggest misconceptions for me is I, I feel like I went into it and being like, this is going to come naturally. Like my body is made to produce oh. milk. Like yes, it's going to just work out. And it wasn't smooth like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people hear that from, especially the older generation likes to say that like, oh, breastfeeding just comes naturally or like, oh, my mom told me that it was super easy, you know, stuff like that. Cause I hear it in, in like patients' rooms all of the time, like family talking about it and stuff. And sometimes I, I, I never, you know, jump in or anything, but sometimes I'm just like, oh gosh, it makes me sad that people are hearing that it's just gonna come naturally. Cause they think that they just, put their baby right at the breast and they just know what to do. And that is not always the case. And honestly, majority of the time, it's not the case. Sometimes you need a little help. Either baby needs a little help getting positioned properly to where they're happy or mom needs help with X, Y, Z. So um, it's really like a learning experience for both parties in a lot of cases. Yeah. What, what do you think are some of those big like misconceptions going into breastfeeding? Like anything that you wish you knew going in, like now knowing what you know now? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that one of the big misconceptions we just covered about how like it's supposed to come naturally, but also just in general, I feel like there's a lot of timelines that people put on things and I wish that they didn't. And I know sometimes it's even professionals that say things like this, but like, oh, you can't boost your supply after three months, like three months, your supply is regulated, just stuff like that. Um, and then people telling parents or pregnant women that they need to toughen up their nipples before I have heard that so many times. And I'm like, wait, what? That they need to toughen up their nipples before breastfeeding. So it doesn't hurt. That is so not true. So not true. Um, you're just going to, end up causing yourself more damage and more pain in the long run doing that. But that's like an old wife's tale too. And that's not necessary. Um, breastfeeding really shouldn't, it can be sensitive. And there are times when like 
I have had pain with it. I have had sensitivity, but it shouldn't be consistently painful. That means something's going on. We need to look further into what, what the issue is and adjust that so that baby can drain the breast effectively and mom can be comfortable and not have damaged nipples that, you know, because when you're in pain, you like dread feeding your baby. You're like, oh my God, is it time again? Oh my gosh, no, no. You know, I've so been there. Um, so I think that all of those have been some, some myths I've been trying to like bust in different ways too. Yeah. That was my experience. I mean, it was really, really painful from the get go. And then Mm -hmm. my second feeding ever in the hospital, um, I got some, what I would call like probably bad information, which was just like the nurse kind of told me, I was like, well, how long do I keep him on here? Cause I, I can't tell like if he's getting anything, like, I don't know if any yeah. milk's coming out, what's happening. And she just told me to keep him on as long as he wanted to stay on. And so mm-hmm. I kept him on and 45 minutes went by and a nurse came in and she's like, why is he still on there? And I'm like, <laughs> you told me not to like. And then my nipple, yeah, my nipple was destroyed after that. Like it was, and it was, and I couldn't put him back on. Like it was just so painful every time I even tried. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you, yeah. Like, what do you, for anybody experiencing pain right away? Like, what do you, what, what can you do to kind of help with that, that painful experience. Honestly, honestly, a lot of times when pain is present, it means that something's going on with the latch. So baby actually latching to the breast. Um, and it could be a variety of things. And that's why I do think it's important to get like a lactation professional involved. If you have that ability or that capability, um, a lot of times hospitals will staff lactation consultants and things as well. But, um, typically when there's a shallow latch, baby's kind of pinching the nipple in a way that they're not supposed to. So like I said before, nipples can be sensitive because they're not used to being tugged on for hours and hours a day, right? Like that's, that's normal, but it shouldn't be painful where you're like having to hold your breath to nurse your baby. That's not how it should be. Um, so I think of course we want to repair any damage that's been done with whatever nipple balm you like or gel pads or whatever it is. But in the meantime, we also need to be investigating why that's happening. Because if we don't, when baby has a shallow latch and that, that damage is occurring, um, we're not emptying the breast effectively. We're not giving our body the proper signal. And that can actually decrease our milk supply or our potential for milk coming in. It can kind of delay that, especially in those early days and weeks. So I think that's something to definitely consider if you're having pain. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm already like, whoa, I have 50 questions lined up. <laughs> Where do we start? Fire them oh God. Okay. Um, you mentioned the like milk coming in thing. Cause like that was, that was an issue that I noticed right away. I was like, I don't know what, how much milk I had. Like one, one of the key problems I think I had in the beginning is that like milk wasn't coming out or he wasn't getting enough. So he was like crying and, and you know, they eventually were like, we can supplement with formula while he's here just cause like, so he can get something like I, we also tried a hospital pump and like nothing was coming out, but what are the expectations there? Cause since leaving the hospital, like people have told me like, yeah, you're probably not going to have milk the first couple of days. And like, you have to have like some expectations around that. So I'm curious, like yeah. your thoughts on what's normal, like what, what should we expect with, with our milk supply in those early, early days? Oh, absolutely. That's such a big one too. And with patients, they would always be like, I don't know what they're getting. Like, I don't know if they're getting enough. And those first couple of days, your body produces colostrum. So you don't have mature milk yet. You just have that really golden colostrum, which is 
packed with so much goodness. Um, and so your baby's tummy is like the size of a marble on the first day. So they don't need much to, to be growing appropriately and wetting enough diapers, all of that good stuff. I think it's really important to be on board with your care team too, and that they are watching baby's weight. They are monitoring their intake and their output. So how many times they're nursing a day or you're pumping, et cetera, um, as well as how many diapers baby's having and making sure that those are, you know, doing what they need to do. Um, and the expectation is, I feel like people think that they're going to breastfeed a time or two and just have milk pouring out to their baby, like as soon as they give birth. And that is not it. Um, and so, and me too, like even, and your milk is supposed to come in sooner with each baby. My fourth baby, my milk took longer than with any of my first three, which was crazy. But, um, the thing of it is, it's more about the signals that you're sending to your body. Like, Hey, this baby was born. We are putting in orders for more milk. You need to start delivering. You need to start delivering. And when the placenta detaches from the uterine wall, this, there's like this cascade of hormone shifts that happen. And that in a few days is what's going to bring in your mature milk. Um, it's called lactogenesis and it's, it's a very hormonal process, but then it turns into more of a supply and demand thing. So those first couple days, you're not going to have milk pouring out. It's going to be drops. And you may put the pump on and be pumping and be like, wow, I got one drop. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, I don't want to keep doing this because I'm not getting anything. This is not rewarding at all. Um, and it's the signals. It is telling your body over and over, Hey, this baby's here. We need to feed it. Let's get going on making that milk. And it comes, but you, you do have to be patient and it is hard. Um, your baby also goes through a transition. I feel like it's, we call it second night syndrome in the hospital, but they get super fussy and they don't want to sleep. And, you know, cause that first 24 hours, they're so tired and they're sleepy and sweet. And you're like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then all of a sudden something happens and they just come to life that second night and they just want to eat constantly. But babies are very smart. And that actually is them putting in those orders for more milk. So they're nursing more frequently. Um, they're doing something called cluster feeding to try to bring that milk in fast or giving all those signals to your body, which is egg freaking exhausting, but mm -hmm. it is so helpful and so necessary. So I think it is important to know that milk is not going to be pouring out the first couple of days. It's going to be colostrum, smaller amounts, but as long as baby is doing well with not losing too much weight, which is like 10% or greater in those first couple of days, and they're having good output with their diapers, things are starting to move through, um, then we're probably doing just fine. We don't have to jump to supplementation, of course, unless a parent wants to, um, or unless there's like a medical indication for it, like baby is losing too much weight, or they're very jaundiced, or we have low blood sugar, things like that. So I think it's important to, to kind of know all of that great stuff. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were just so clueless, like we didn't know what to do. Yes. And, and, um, you know, I think our baby like did lose that like 10% body weight or whatever it mm -hmm. was by day mm -hmm. three. And we're like, yeah, give them, give them formula. Absolutely. We don't, we don't know. Yeah. In that, in that case, absolutely. I like 100% would too. And plus I did the same thing with my third, with my daughter, she was extremely jaundiced. And when they get super jaundiced, they get lethargic where they're like, so tired. They don't, I put her to breast and she just like laid there. Like she mm. didn't even open her mouth. Um, so our, our pediatrician was like, I think we need to supplement. So we supplemented her with some formula and I swear she like woke up, like mm. it was crazy. It was like, she finally got some sugar, some energy. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I can, now I can try this. Now I can do this. So, um, sometimes formula is like, 
the, the catalyst to a successful breastfeeding journey. I feel like people are so good at pitting them against each other when really they can help each other sometimes too. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. Cause at first I was like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, he was born and I was like, I just want to be the perfect. I want to give him just like what's coming from my body and have it be mm-hmm. perfect and nothing manufactured. And then, you know, a couple of days in, he took that formula so fast. He yes, was like yes. so happy to get yes. some food in him. So, you know, I think that that's you a did really great. Good point. That is, that's <laughs> awesome. No, absolutely. There are times when, and that's, what's hard is like in this space, sometimes you constantly hear about how you need to stick with breastfeeding and you, and sometimes we need to introduce formula and there are situations where it is medically indicated, like if they're losing more weight than they should be, or like I said, if they're jaundice and lethargic and we need to get some sugar in there, you know, it's necessary. And, um, formula doesn't always ruin a breastfeeding relationship. And that's what I think I always thought too, as a new mom, I was like, I just want to breastfeed. I just want, you know, everything to be perfect and all of that. And like that, if I started formula, then baby would no longer nurse. Like I thought it was immediately going to X out or cancel out any potential for them nursing. And that is not true. They can absolutely coexist. So many moms like combo feed. There's so many ways to do things. And that's what I love is kind of sharing information on any way that you want to feed your baby. Breastfeeding is not the only way. There are so many options. After a long nine months, mama deserves a cocktail or five. If you're like me and happily getting back on the sauce, but don't want to feel crappy the next morning because, you know, you have a whole ass human to take care of, then it's time to try Morning Recovery by More Labs. I have been using Morning Recovery for probably like four years now. I'm a super fan. I travel with them. They are my little insurance policy. It works by using a plant-derived formula that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. You just drink one little bottle of morning recovery before you go to bed after a night of drinking, and you let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on whatever motherhood has in store for you. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash big kid and use code big kid for 20% off your order. 20% off guys. That is a nice little discount. So take advantage again, head to morelabs.com slash big kid and use code big kid at checkout. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. I love to hear that. I yeah. want to, I want to talk about some of the issues and I know you mentioned that you experienced some of these. Um, and I did too. And in the early days, like especially those clogged ducts, like when you feel like your boob is getting like rock hard, it's super painful. Um, somebody told me to use a haka and I didn't know how to use the haka. Like I, I've <laughs> since learned and I'm like, wow, I did that totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the live and learn, right? Yeah. Um, like what are some what are some tips for like if you're experiencing like some clogged ducts, for instance? So a, a lot of times in like the early days, especially when your milk when your mature milk does start coming in, it's more of like an engorgement where like your whole breast is rock hard and just like you feel hot. And, you know, a lot of people get these different symptoms with engorgement. Um, and that's because you have so much 
fluid going there as well as an increased milk supply with all of this milk coming in. But you also have like lymphatic fluid and more blood flow to that area. So it's just a lot of fluid in a small space. And so it makes it like large and rock hard. And that of course can increase your risk for clogged ducts and things like that when the actual milk duct get, gets clogged up. Um, and with that, it's really important to be looking at it from like an anti-inflammatory perspective too. Um, what, what the old literature said was to like massage the area. And so people would be like full on like hard massaging that spot. And that can actually worsen the inflammation, which we're trying to get rid of. So um, sunflower lecithin is amazing. It's a fat emulsifier because fat in the milk is very sticky and it sticks to the sides of the milk ducts. And when it kind of coagulates together, it can form a clog. And um, that kind of helps keep things like a slippery slope in there. I call it a laxative for your milk. Mm. And then, um, <laughs> and then also just like anti-inflammatory. So ibuprofen is great. Um, doing ice between feedings or between pumping sessions. Um, you can do heat, but I would just stick to doing that like right before a feeding because it can kind of help with letdown too. just kind of relaxing that area, getting it ready for a feeding. Um, but that's kind of the, the different ways I would do it. And then I love doing Hakka Epsom salt soaks. And that has helped me. I am very clog prone. That has helped me so many times get clogs out, um, filling a Hakka up with some warm water, putting some Epsom salt in there and then suctioning it to the breast. And it kind of pulls out what it needs to. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I love that. Yeah. I'll tell you how I did that wrong. <laughs> Cause I heard like Epsom salt Hakka, I got the haka. I'm like holding it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay. So I put like salt in it and like a little bit of warm water, but like I didn't fill it all the way up. And then I was oh just my like squeezing my boob and like nothing was working. I was like, uh, I, you're like, why does this not happen? And that's the thing. You want your nipple to be like submerged in the in water. In the water. Yes. 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 Absolutely. But I mean, that makes sense because you wouldn't think to fill it up all of the way. But yes, you want your nipple submerged and that to actually like help pull some of that fluid. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to give people a visuals. So they're not like making the same yeah. mistakes that I did learn. Absolutely. Help me help you. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I think that's really, really helpful. Um, I know you mentioned letdown and I wanted to talk a little bit about letdown, um, to help, to help you, you know, right before you do, uh, you do a feed. Yeah. Are there some tips mm -hmm. you want to give us around that? Yeah. So, um, depending on the circumstance, cause I know it's hard, especially as baby gets older too. Sometimes it can be a struggle to let down when they're distracted and, you know, you're worried about teething and biting and things like that too. Um, typically in the earlier weeks, I feel like letdown's not as much of an issue, but it's more like when we go back to work and we're pumping away from our baby, or like I said, they're teething, yada, yada. Um, so depending on the situation, if you're pumping, of course, looking at things, smell, using your senses, looking at things that remind you of your baby photos, videos. I always felt video was better because you can kind of see them moving and cooing and different things. So like watching videos on your phone, um, sometimes I would even bring like my baby's swaddle or like something that they wore recently because it smelled like them. And I would put it over top of my pump and the scent it's, in, it's incredibly powerful. And I would immediately <laughs> down for that. Um, and then when you're with your baby and you're nursing and you're kind of having issues with letdown, I try to, of course, yeah, going to a quiet area is great. Turning on a sound machine is great, especially if you have other kids around because everything's distracting for babies and they pull off, especially as they get older. Um, but I would like 
look at him and like focus on something that I loved about him. Like for, for Teddy, it's like this area of his cheek. I don't know what it is like the jowl cheek meeting up. I just love this. So I would just like, you can touch, you can um, look at it. You know, your baby's right there. You can smell them, kiss them, whatever you want to do. Um, but senses are very, very powerful. If that's not working, then um, something else that helped me at work when I was having troubles with letting down for my pump was using a, um, lactation, like breast massager. So it's a vibrating little tool that you can set in your bra and it just vibrates and it actually can help you let down faster. And it can also help you empty faster. So as a nurse, I was having to like, you know, not get very long for pump breaks. So I was like, okay, this letdown needs to happen. I needed to figure it out. So I started using that and I was able to get as much out as I possibly could in like a five to seven minute time span, because I didn't have very long to go pump sometimes. So that really helped me too. That it's, it's amazing. Like women's bodies, you know, like what a system, you know, that you I can know. like smell your baby and it's like, boom. Yeah. Here, here's That's some like, oxytocin for you. There you crazy. go. Crazy. Yes, I know. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. you mentioned something that I wanted to bring up because I feel like this is an issue, especially in those early, early days, um, with babies falling asleep at the breast mm-hmm. and even bottle fed babies. I mean, our mind yes. would, oh, yeah. would fall asleep. Like, right mm-hmm. away uh before getting even like a quarter of a feed done what are some um tips if you're if you're experiencing that um honestly of course the typical like making sure it really is time for them to eat are they hungry that type of thing um and i like i personally like to wake my babies up before i feed them in the in, in the best way i can so like trying to do a diaper change maybe change their clothes, do things. And yes, they may get a little bit upset and that's, that's okay. They're waking up, they're letting you know how they're feeling, et cetera. Um, and then that way they're like wide awake to start a feeding. Cause if we start a feeding sleepy, it's going to end a lot faster. I feel like, um, so trying to wake them up as much as I can, but then there would still be times where I'd like go to nurse my baby and they, you know, get a let down, start up a little bit, and then they just fall asleep. Um, so I would recommend like, if you're nursing, I would definitely do some breast compression where you kind of just put your hand on your breast, you press into the inner, like towards the chest wall, and then you kind of squeeze down just gently. Um, and that kind of increases the flow of milk so that baby's like, oh yeah, I was, I was eating. I forgot like something's in my mouth. I need to do a little something here that can be helpful. But also sometimes after starting on one side, I would pick them up sit them up a little bit and just give them some gentle paps, try to burp them and just kind of be like, Hey, we're still doing this, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, skin to skin when you're breastfeeding is incredible. And sometimes babies are really sleepy, put them skin to skin on your chest, hang out with them for a little bit and see what they do within the next 15 or 20 minutes, just hanging out on your chest. Sometimes they'll actually wake up more, um, and work their way towards your breast to eat. So mm. Mm. is there, is there like a time frame like I mentioned earlier like I left my baby on for 45 minutes on a boob like Mm -hmm. is there like a cutoff that you would recommend or like what are we aiming for in terms of these feeds so honestly it is going to vary so much in the first couple of days and week I would say what we do in the hospital is we want to start getting parents used to like stimulating both breasts as much as we can. Um, Babies lead the way though. So I say, start on one side. Um, I don't really, 
I don't really like putting times on stuff because then I feel like people are very specific. Like, okay, it's been 15 minutes. This baby's nursing beautifully over here, but I'm going to cut them off because it's been 15 minutes. But um, generally speaking, so this, again, this is a guideline. This is not what I would like follow to a T, but I would say if baby is nursing well, you're hearing swallows, things like that on one side. Um, and then they start to kind of like taper off where they get to these like flutter socks where it's just real gentle. I would go ahead and unlatch if we're kind of around the 15, 20 minute mark, unlatch, burp them, offer the other side, see what they do. Let them lead the way. If they want to nurse on that side, let them. Um, and if they are just like, okay, two sucks and I'm falling asleep, then we'll start on that side the next time. So I think it's less about the time and more about what they're doing at breast. Like, is it, is it feeling non-painful? Um, and is, are you hearing swallows? Is baby content after the feeding? Is their output good? All of that stuff is very important to kind of keep in mind rather than just like, okay, it's been 15 minutes. They've had enough. Yeah, let's stop the feeding or, oh, it's been, I went 25 minutes on the side. Oh my gosh, I did something wrong. So, um, less about the clock and more about like what they're actually doing at breast. Yeah. Oh, I wish I would have had that information before. Like that, yes. that just listening for the swallows is huge because that's what I did yes. wrong is he was just using my, my nipple as a pacifier for 45 exactly. minutes I'm like, exactly ah. yeah they do the and then they start pulling back a little bit like in flutter sucking just right on your nipple and it can be really damaging so absolutely yes yes okay that's great intel um you mentioned uh, and this is something I've heard across the board and sure enough this happened with me too like there was one boob that was like pulling all the weight yes. <laughs> and oh, one yeah, boob that was flatter. like slacker yeah. you know yes. did not graduate high school like <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, it was just really not into it, was not showing up. <laughs> what do you do? Like, is there anything you can do or like? No, you, you don't have to. I will say that if your baby is well sustained with that boob that is just putting in the work um, and just doing a little bit on the other side, that's fine. Um, but the problem becomes more of like, the, I don't want to say cosmetic thing, but like people worried about being lopsided because you've got one breast that's, you know, a whole cup size larger than the other, because this one's putting in so much work. Um, so a lot of times both baby and mom can like unintentionally, unintentionally develop a preference. Um, so maybe this, you really like football position on this right side. And then we go to the left side and you and baby just aren't as comfortable. So you're more likely to end the feeding sooner or baby kind of pulls off sooner, things like that. Um, you can of course add in extra pumping session on that one side that they're not getting to as much if you want to. Um, like if you're an exclusive pumper, maybe you want to go a little bit longer on that side if the other side is you know putting in all the work and this one's not I have a whole blog post on it with different options that you can that you can try but um and then also if nursing you can try offering baby that side first or starting them on your favorite side first and then switching them over more quickly some you know there's tons of options but you can pick it up if you want to you can put in the work for that other side but you don't have to unless it's becoming like a problem <laughs> okay okay good to know <laughs> um this is another question I know I've got gotten a ton and um and I'm sure you have too but it's how like how would you tell when your baby is getting enough food because it is like I had no idea if they were getting anything you know like what are some signs or maybe some things we should look for so kind of like what I said a little bit ago with um, when they're at the breast, they're actively nursing. You're hearing swallows, which in the early days, it can sound just like a K, like a really soft K, 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 like that. <laughs> um, so it sounds like a soft K. Um, 
that's really, that's honestly really important to kind of note and make sure you're listening for watching your baby at the breast. Are they actively feeding well? The latch feels good. Are they having good diaper output? That's very, very important. How many times a day are they feeding? Typically in those early weeks, we want to be feeding like 10 to 12 times a day and babies lead the way again. Sometimes it, sometimes it's more times than that. Um, and sometimes they want to eat more frequently than every three hours, like everybody tells you. So, um, and that's normal. That's them knowing that, Hey, I need a little bit more. Let me put in those signals. Let me put in those orders. Um, so that, I don't know. I think that that's very important to know too, watching your baby, watching the output. Um, and of course, following up with your pediatrician, they're going to be doing all of the weights. I know some people like doing weighted scales at home. I'm kind of 50, 50, because I know for some parents, it feels just really helpful to know what your baby's getting um, and make sure that they're gaining appropriately. But then I feel like it can cause a lot of anxiety because baby's weight can kind of fluctuate just depending on the time of day and different things like that. So I, I just, I don't know how I feel about it yet, but that is an option. I just don't know that I'd recommend it for everybody unless it's something your lactation consultant or pediatrician is recommending. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that's interesting. Cause I, I, um, I remember he, they, you know, they all tell you every three hours, every three mm -hmm. hours. So if yes. your baby is showing signs that they're hungry before that three hours is up, like you can go ahead and Yes. Feed them. We call, we call it feeding on demand and like three hours is a guideline. So it's like, okay, if, if you fed them at two o'clock and they're still sleeping at five o'clock or five 15, I'd wake them up and feed them. It's kind of like, Hey, let's stick with that as your max amount of time. But you don't have, like if baby's crying, you fed them at two and baby's crying at four and they're ready to eat, or they're showing early hunger cues, like nibbling on their hands and all of that good stuff, go ahead and put them to breast. Like that is so good for bringing in your milk. It's great for your established milk supply. It's great for baby. Um, there's no harm in doing that. I, again, babies don't know clocks, so they don't know that it's been three hours. They, they have no idea. <laughs> we are the only ones that like that. And it can help with like some structure knowing like, okay, he's probably going to eat around five or six or whatever. Um, but if they wake up and they're ready earlier, do it. Okay. Do it. Do okay. It. Good to hear. Um, I know we've talked about clogged ducts and, you know, like some mm -hmm. pain and engorgement, but the other big one is like, you know, those crack nipples are like nipple specific Ugh. issues. Yes. Um, yes. what are your, what are your recommendations for those poor, poor nips? <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I know that is, that is the worst. And again, that makes you like dread the feeding because you're like, Oh, I just don't want to put that like anything. I don't want anything to touch this area right now. Um, so first of all, I think it, like I said before, it's really important to be caring for your nipples in this way and trying to repair them while also investigating why your nipple is shredded because it shouldn't be. So what is the issue? Let's start working on that. Does baby have oral ties? Um, is there a shallow latch because maybe we're keeping baby swaddle during the feeding instead of being skin to skin with them. And sometimes that makes a barrier where baby latch is more shallow. Um, and it's just simply removing the swaddle and getting them closer to the breast. And that fixes the issue. You know, it's, it's very variable, but, um, I don't know. I think that, I think that it's really important to have some nipple balm on hand, no matter what, just because you never know. And nipples are sensitive areas, but the big tip I have here is 
there are these amazing nipple like gel pads, hydrogel pads. They are incredible. And I feel like that helped me more than anything. And what I would do is put them in the refrigerator so they'd be cold when I wanted to use them. Of course, this was when I got home, not necessarily in the hospital, but I would keep them at the bedside in the hospital, put those on. Those are incredible. Um, Lanolin didn't really do anything for me. That's what a lot of hospitals will supply you with. We have like the little tubes of them. Um, and that's fine. It's at least something, um, but it just doesn't work for everybody. You can put that on after feedings or any nipple balm that you prefer. Um, I really liked the earth mama one too, just something to kind of try making you feel a little bit more comfortable until the next feeding. The gel pads did it all for me, but the tip I have is not to use a balm and the gel pad because they actually prevent each other from working. So mm. if you have like, you know, if you have a greasy balm on your nipple and then you go put a gel pad on, it can't soak into the nipple because there's already that greasy balm already covering it. So, um, that's something to consider. I learned that from, um, a lactation consultant that I had worked with at the hospital. And I was like, that makes total sense. And so many people did it. So I started like telling everybody choose one or the other, or you can vary each feeding like this one. I want to do the balm, And the next time I'll do the, the pad, et cetera. Um, and then if it's getting to a point where it's, it's pretty bad, like the nipple damage is pretty bad more than just a little bit of soreness or a crack or two. Um, if we're bleeding and it's getting pretty raw, I would look into getting all purpose nipple ointment, which is a prescription. Um, that was magic for me. Um, mm. it's magic in a jar and it is incredible. It's a compounded medic medicated cream or balm that you can put on. And I swear within like two uses, it's, it's a whole new world. It's amazing. Oh, that's, I'd never heard of that. So you would just like ask your doctor for that? Yes. Yeah. So most OBs, at least at the hospitals I've worked at, we, we have it like in the hospital pharmacy, they can make it. Um, and again, it's a compounded medication with like an antifungal, anti-inflammatory steroid cream, et cetera. Um, really, really great for moms who are dealing with extreme nipple damage and it's not for everybody, but it is for moms who have extreme nipple damage and, and need something to really help them to continue their breastfeeding journey. Um, so yes, our OBs would write a prescription for it and patient would take it down to the pharmacy and get them a little tube of it. Oh, yeah, that would have been that would have been helpful information. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that and when I had thrush with my son Cam, since it has antifungal in it, that saved us. I had to put that on my nipples, and then he had to get nice statin the um, antifungal in his mouth, and that like nixed it real fast. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's good. And and just so for anybody knows, so when you're applying this stuff, because I I've like heard of things to use for nipples, but I never really knew how to use. <laughs> so like, sure. so like if you're after you do this, you apply right after a feed. Like I had those like gel yes. pads. So you would put it on yes. right after a feed and would you keep it on until your next feed kind of thing? Or would you yes. only keep it on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would keep it on the, the whole time until the next feeding. And then I would take it off. And with most products, it'll tell you on the back, but you don't have to go and like wipe it off your nipple or anything like that. Unless you have like a huge chunk of of it still sitting there. The baby's not going to want that in their mouth, but like I, you don't typically have to like wipe off your nipple afterwards either. You can just put baby on most of it's soaked in by the time of the next feeding. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's helpful. Um, I want to talk lastly about night feeds because this is like, I think maybe the hardest part of the whole thing like you're exhausted all day from well maybe just giving birth yeah and and like taking care of a human for the first time for hours and like you're so fried and then those three hour feedings come in the middle of the night 
what are some of your tips for what are some of your survival tips <laughs> for those <laughs> oh my gosh. The night feeds I'm still surviving this at gosh Teddy's a year old and I'm still surviving this he is up a lot at night still um not always for a feeding but just in general but um honestly I think it is important and this is people are probably me like oh my gosh why is she saying this but like when you can during the day please nap because it is really tough. Those, you know, like, especially the first week, my husband would be home and there would be times where, okay, I just fed him. He's content. And my husband would take over and kind of watch him. So I could just catch like maybe even an hour of sleep until Teddy would want to eat the next time or, you know, whichever baby would want to eat the next time. Um, when he was no longer home, I would try my best to nap when, my child napped, but that's a lot easier said than done, especially with multiple kids. You know, you've got pickups, you've got kids running around, et cetera. Um, so I would try to get sleep in the little amounts that I could during the day and just tell myself that like, for the most part, the dishes can wait, the laundry can wait, or I would set aside a time later in the day to focus on the dishes and laundry. Maybe when my husband got home from work, Hey, you know, after dinner, I want to get these dishes done. Cause it makes you feel like shit when you have a house that looks like a dump, like that gives me, that gives me anxiety. And then you've got a crying baby and you're up all night. Like, Holy hell, it's just too much. So there, there would be times I'd be like, Mark, okay, after, after dinner, I'm going to do the dishes and I'm going to move a load of laundry through. You are going to be with Teddy. I will nurse him. And then you just go do something with him, go in the other room and hang out, play with him with his play gym, you know, whatever it is, just go somewhere else. I'm going to get this done. And honestly, that helps so much because then during the day I could just worry about, okay, Teddy's finally asleep. I'm going to go ahead and catch a quick nap, um, to kind of build up for the night because you're right. Nights are hard and they're up a lot. And, um, women are amazing adapting to do what they have to do in the middle of the night. Um, whether that be, you know, getting up or having your partners give a bottle once a night or help out in some way. Cause sometimes that's needed too. Sometimes women want like a little bit of a stretch and they're like, okay, my husband's going to do, or my partner's going to do the midnight feeding and I'm going to sleep from 9 PM till their next feeding or whatever it is, whatever you work out. And that can be really helpful too. It's just hard with milk supply because, um, a lot of people can do that where they have that stretch at night and they sleep and their partner helps out with a bottle, but you still have to think about the fact that you have to stimulate yourself. So a lot of times that means you still have to get up and pump. So a lot of people feel like it's just easier to get up and nurse your baby, but then maybe your, your partner can worry about getting them back to sleep and you can just go right to bed. There's there so many different things you can do, and there's not one right way or one right answer, but just kind of figuring out a little bit of a routine that works for you, I think was really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think like what saved me, <laughs> what eventually saved me at this point was, and, and it's different because I, I never really like fully got to a place where you we are breastfeeding and everything was great. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, a, a weekend it was to bottles because like yes, it just didn't yes. work. And I, and in a, in a weird way, it almost helped because at that point, like yes. I, my husband could do like certain feeds and we just blocked them. Like me from I did the feeds until like 3 a.m. and then yeah. he did feeds from 3 a.m. to like 9 a.m. and so like yeah, I had like that. a chunk of sleep 
which yes. like those chunks of sleep were They're everything. Huge. Oh my gosh. They are huge. That is amazing. I love that. Yeah. But I just didn't know if that's like a viable tip if you're still breastfeeding. Oh Cause like, like you said, you kind of have to keep that supply going. That's so. yeah. That's what makes it hard. And there are a lot of women that are still able to, okay, you know, maybe I'm not feeding every three hours at night, but maybe we could stretch it to four hours. Um, and so you can, you can try if baby's okay with that, or if your partner gets up whenever your baby gets up and you don't necessarily wake up and pump right at that time, but a little bit later or after the next nursing session, you want to throw the pump on just for some extra stimulation. It can work out for some people. Um, I am somebody who, if, if my baby is still up nursing at night and I am not stimulating myself with a pump or with a baby, then my supply tanks. I mean, I Mm. like, it's everybody is different too, because there, I have tons of friends who were her like, Oh my gosh, my baby started, you know, sleeping through the night at three months or whatever it was. Um, and I'm like, Oh, has that affected your supply or anything? And they're like, Oh no. And for most people, it will adjust during the day and baby will either want to eat more frequently during the day, or they may take in a little bit more than typical during the day to make up for that night period where they are sleeping a long stretch. But for some of us, we still have to get up and do some type of stimulation to keep our supply where it's at. So I feel like there can't be a blanket statement of like, oh no, when your baby sleeps, you can sleep all night. Yes, for most people, but not for everybody. And I am not, I am unfortunately not one of those people. I have to wake up and do something. Um, Otherwise my supply, it does, it tanks fast. So just something to consider. Yeah. And I like what you said about like, women are amazing at adapting. You yes. know, like it, it is incredible to me. And I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast who's, you know, popped out a baby who's done this. Like, yes, we surprise. I, I surprised myself the whole time, <laughs> you know, like even in pregnancy, I'm like, it is incredible. Like we are built for this. Yes. And it, that was like my mantra, like through everything. I'm like, I'm built for this. I'm built for, I'm this. Built for this. It's going to work out. Um, Carrie, oh thank you so, so much. I know this is like a really quick crash course and there's so much to chat about when it comes to oh breastfeeding, God, yes. but Go for, on, um, first. anybody who wants more from you, pimp yourself out, where can we find more from you? Yeah. So my Instagram is Carrie underscore locker and it's spelled L O C H E R. Um, but it's just pronounced locker. And then my website is caring with a K for postpartum.com. I have courses on breastfeeding on just bringing home your baby and how to care for them, etc. So there's lots of free tips on my Instagram. And then there are the courses and checklists and cheat sheets and all kinds of stuff included in there too. Yes. Amazing. I'm going to include all of that in show notes, guys go like run don't walk <laughs> get Yay! over to carrie's page she has so much hel- helpful information and uh thank you so much for being on we appreciate it oh my it. gosh thank you thank you so much it's a one type, but I said it's